Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach and Adam! Hey, what's happening, man? I mean, nothing much, nothing much, nothing much. Talking talking about uh, Madeline Pryor. Have you met her? She's wild! You mean the Aussie X-Men's lady in a chair? Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about the Goblin Queen herself. Oh, yeah, that there, there's some different uh, versions of Maddie out there. I think we're going to cover a few this episode. Well, we are because uh, we've got someone here who likes Madeline Pryor a lot. Uh, she is future podcast host of the X-Men anime podcast that with three of you guys jump on over to Patreon.com and sub at the $5 level. We're just going to start doing. <laughs> uh, it's Luz Bianca. Luz, great to have you here. Great to be here, Zach. It is great. I'm excited. Uh, now, let's, uh, for people who don't know, uh, what's your deal? Um, well, I guess the main reason I pressured you into getting me here is because I really love Maddie. I wouldn't call myself like a Maddie expert, more like a Maddie aficionado, a member of the <laughs> Maddie cult, let's say. Well, she has on several Earths actually started a cult, so that that tracks. Yeah, yeah, um... But beyond my huge, ginormous love for one Madeline Edith Pryor, I am a writer, a tweeter, a student. I'm actually in a dorm room right now, so if you start hearing people yelling, it's college students. <laughs> yeah, we're going to edit all that out as much as we can. Also, is Madeline Pryor's middle name actually Edith? I don't remember that, but I could be wrong. Um, According to Google, it is. I trust Google machine. Uh <laughs> Google is uploading all of our, you know, anima and all of our thoughts to be sent back to us later. So it all kind of works out. Yeah, exactly. Soon we'll all have the middle name of Edith and it will be fine. <laughs> anyway, I, Zachary Xavier Files Edith Jenkins. Nope, it'd be Zachary Xavier Edith Files Jenkins, I think. Yeah. That tracks. Anyway, something like that. Uh, I want to talk about Uncanny X-Men 174 to 175. Uh, this is collected in the from ashes trade and i think this is the most from ashes story there is oh i uh, love this i'm holding my first printing of from the ashes i love this book yeah this uh, is uh the story about cyclops's uh what first wedding that ends yeah. poorly but it's good uh, his wedding to <laughs> madeline Pryor. uh it's written by chris claremont with art by paul smith now uh what happens in this story Luz? oh um a lot. <laughs> yes. Because, uh, you know, for those of you who don't know, Jean dies in Dark Phoenix Saga. Then Scott flies to Alaska for a reason. I forget which one. Probably just to be sad. Um, he does that more than once. And he sees this woman who looks exactly like Jean, only she has like slightly different hair. Um, and he starts falling in love with her. But there's always in the back of his mind this question, like, is she actually Jean? And this is sort of the first arc where they, like, really get into that question. So, 
It starts with him uh, proposing to her, which, you know, nice. On on, then, on a spaceship, on his dad's spaceship, where his dad... Yeah, that, that his was dad's... so sweet. <laughs> I actually, is... like, kind of love the fact that we don't actually explicitly see him getting down on one knee. Like, it's very heavily implied that something like that happens, but it right. sort of gets to be, like, a private moment for them, which I feel like they have so little of. Well, yeah, because five seconds beforehand... His dad and his skunk swinger girlfriend pop in and say, hey, you crazy kids, how you doing? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. We've not talked about Corsair a lot on this podcast, and that's our fault. Uh, it really is. he's delightful. He is, and Hepzibah is great here. She just has yeah. a, a few, couple, just a few frames, but she really has a lot of personality here. Yeah, like she asks Scott if he'd die for Maddie and vice versa, and that is just such a messed up way to frame love, but also such an X-Men way to frame love. Oh, it's a very X-Men way to frame anything. I love it so yeah. much. Like this is yeah. this is peak melodrama X-Men. Cause you go through this issue, everyone's horny for somebody. Well the yeah. it's great. Yeah. Yeah, the issue is called Romances, and, uh, you know, we're getting this storyline with uh, uh, with Scott and Maddie. We're getting Kitty tricking Piotr into uh, getting a smooch up in uh, Storm's attic, you know. Okay, but then he smooches her very, very consensually, I, I, I'd add. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, 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 yes. This is, this is the kind of tricking you're allowed to do in a relationship where you have set boundaries with your partner and you know what everyone's okay with. <laughs> More or less, yeah. Regardless um, of the weird age differential that may or may not be in your relationship, that's a different can of worms that we're going to get into some other time, not now. Uh, yeah. It's too bad that Mastermind has to mess all of this up and lead to the uh, classic 175, like, double-sized issue. Yeah, Dark Phoenix comes back, only it's Mastermind who is tricking everyone to think that Dark Phoenix has come back. And all the X-Men get into a fight, and then Scott stops him. Yeah. Because he's smart, and he figures things out occasionally. And then they get married, and it's so sweet. It's so... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now, hear me out on this. Yeah. I love Madeline uh-huh. Pryor. She's great. Okay. Love, love Madeline. Uh-huh. The wedding feels weird, right? Because it, it does. Oh, no, it totally does. It's so quick. Maddie has a terrible wedding dress, which I am so angry about because Jean has a great one. <laughs> Not the worst wedding dress I've seen this week. Okay, uh, but it's still pretty bad as far as wedding dresses go. Like, it was definitely like, draw a wedding dress, let's not think yes, about it. Yes, yes. It's not as bad as uh, Dorothy Zbornak's wedding dress from the series finale of Golden Girls. Oh man, you are really into Golden Girls lately. We've been watching it a lot. Did you know that the spinoff Golden Palace is not on... Uh, Hulu, and you can only watch it on a uh, weird YouTube channel that is definitely copyright infringement, but also, who's, like, actively trying to make money off of a Golden Girls spinoff? <laughs> it's the Golden Girls, but Dorothy's not in this one, and instead Don Cheadle and Cheech Martin are. Wait, Don Cheadle is in the Golden Girls? Yeah, as yeah. in Rhodey? <laughs> yeah, like, War Machine? War Machine hangs out with the Golden Girls. It's wild! <laughs> Wow. All right. This sounds great. I love it. Uh, yeah. Uh, they The Golden Girls decide to start a hotel. Anyway. <laughs> you can't just throw that out there. That's the... No, because cause, cause the season opener starts. Like, the series opener says, 
oh, so we're moving out of our, you know, house in Malibu because we bought a hotel. Wow. And it just throws you in it. This is a lot. In the power of female friendship, they converted that into hard cash and (laughs) bought a hotel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think Blanche just still has a lot of money. Anyway, uh, back back to the topic on hand. Emma is Blanche. Gene is, uh, Gene's probably Rose. I don't know who Maddie is. I feel bad. I don't know, know my Golden Girls enough to. Uh, to I, I don't know my here. Golden Girls either. Yeah. Y'all, y'all are slacking. Golden Girls is uh, <laughs> something that should be cherished and does hold up way better than other shows. Uh, but I digress. The wedding's weird and happens really quick. Well, it also has John Romita Jr. art, so it's like a little epilogue. It gets tagged on to the end of the issue. Yeah, and also, I think I wrote about um, Scott's little monologue to Gene's gravestone, mm. which does in fact acknowledge that nothing's there. It's just like the marker on Earth for her. But um, it's funny, because this is a really good issue, but the context of Inferno and everything that follows really changes some of the tone of it for me. Yes. And some of the subtext for me. Like, he says, I'm glad she isn't you, but you know he's not. You definitely know he's not now. Um, and he says that, like, I had magic with you, but now I have a chance at making magic with Maddie, like, a different kind, which is true. But the fact mm-hmm. that he's framing it as a chance and not something he's already had would have been, like, a major red flag to me. Like, you can't just <laughs> enter into marriage with someone who you acknowledge your relationship with hasn't even really started yet. Well, this brings up a great point, which is... I. I don't think I mentioned this. I love Madeline Pryor just as a character. I think she's amazing. My favorite part of these two issues is the great scene where Cyclops just confronts Madeline in their home and says, are you the Phoenix? Are you the reincarnation of my, of like my dead lover essentially? And she just straight out punches him in the face. And it is so okay. awesome. Okay. Yeah. To be fair to Scott. Oh, Wow. Scott apologist. I wasn't ready for you to do that. Go for it. Please. To be fair to Scott, he's being heavily gaslit by Mastermind at the time (laughs) into believing that this is truth. So, like, yeah, he's being a jerk. I feel like so many of, like, Scott's decisions, like, especially when it comes to women, like, come down to being, like, heavily gaslit by someone. Like, in this case, yes, that's 100% what happened. And I love him. And Maddie is very right to say, no, I'm my own person. I'm not Gene. Which, again, with retrospect, makes all of this stuff even better. When it turns out, I was like, kind of right. He's kind of not wrong (laughs) on this one. I mean, I just really wonder, what was Claremont thinking when he made the decision to give Maddie Gene's face? Well... I mean, if you believe his interviews, he wanted Cyclops to actually retire from the team. But it it makes for so much more fun drama when this gets stretched out this way. Um, and then, of course, I, opinions may vary on Inferno, <laughs> shall we say. But uh, it, I do think it's a little bit of, of a, you know, irony that Cyclops is smart enough to outsmart Mastermind and solve the day in, in 175. But in 174... Uh, mastermind leaves a photo of gene on the floor of the aircraft and he's like huh how'd this get here i have no idea i have no suspicions whatsoever about anything that's happening right now come on scott come on scott you can do better than that yeah 
Come on, Scott. You can at least mention it to Maddie. Mm, Doesn't doesn't do that. But they've already confronted the issue of her looking like Jean, haven't they? Yeah. It's just so much of this comes off as a red flag to me as I'm like (laughs) reading it. Like Xavier's not at all concerned that he can't read Maddie's mind point blank. Uh, Like she's just a lady, but you can't read her mind. uh, Sure. Sure, 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 Context Dan. aside, I will say I just absolutely love this lineup. I love the Paul Smith art. I, I like the uh, the sequence of events where they're all being tricked into beating each other up. It's just a really fun uh, pair of issues. I, I enjoy it quite a bit. This is from one of my favorite eras of X-Men. Um, this happens right after the Wolverine wedding arc. And, oh, yeah. Uh, it's just, it's great. I love it. Okay, but one more red flag. Oh, yes, keep them coming. Okay, um, in issue 174, Kurt literally says that that Storm, Ororo, saw the phoenix in Japan the day before they met Maddie, which, you know, fine, it probably lines up if you read it again. But in the literal next issue, 175, Ororo refers to that as... uh, She says that that thing happened, like, and I quote, a few weeks ago. Hmm... Which means Scott has known Maddie for a few weeks. Well, 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 okay. So the X-Men didn't meet Maddie until Wolverine's wedding, which was like issue 73. Also, the wedding didn't happen, but Storm did get a good yeah. haircut. So I can I can buy she the did. X-Men only knowing it for so long. However, Storm, girl, bring that up. Mention, mention that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, mention the whole Phoenix you saw. Might be a good plan. Yeah, that is probably actually how it turned out now that I think about it. I was just so scared for a few seconds there. Like, oh, oh, no, honey. <laughs> oh, no, honey. Well, remember, honey. Uh, Scott Summers is only 28 years old. so Well, uh, even younger you know, here, obviously. All, all of these things are on a collapsing timeline that happen over the course of several days. <laughs> just just don't look at the yeah. timeline. But speaking, of, yeah, speaking yeah. of lines of stories and things, we have a very long line of stories ranked in terms of how good and or bad they are. In fact, we have 276 stories on this list. Holy cow. Ranging from number one, The Dark Phoenix Saga, number 50, X-Men Season 1, number 100, Uncanny X-Men Fall of the Mutants, number 150, Exiles 1 and 2, uh, number 200, X-Men and Uncanny X-Men Children of the Atom, uh, at 250, we have Star Trek The Next Generation slash X-Men, Second Contact. At the very bottom, <laughs> we have the Draco, which is right... Done. Now, hold on, because right above the Draco at 275 is X-Men Phoenix Legacy of Fire. Luz, is this better or worse than X-Men Phoenix Legacy of Fire? How dare you even ask me that? <laughs> How dare you? I'm going to get up and leave this room right now. Please don't. Please don't. We have two more two more stories to talk about. No, it's obvious. The question is borderline harassment, Zach. I know. I know. I only do it because I care. Uh, yes, it's better than that. Uh, I would I would go as far as to say it's better than X-Men Season 1 at number 50. This is good X-Men. I was going to say, this, this has got to be a top 50 story um so now i'm now i'm climbing up the list and i'm trying to find out where i would put this well uh, does... right here's what i'll say at number 23 right now we have uncanny x-men 162 to 167 the brood saga 
Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Which is, you know, this, it's the exact same era. Paul Smith, Chris Claremont, a little bit of Dave Cockrum action in that one. Uh, Adam, how do you feel about this compared to the Brood Saga? Brood Saga is better. Um, yeah. It's just, it's far more epic. Um, Paul Smith is hitting, I think, a, a few more highs in terms of what his art is doing in those issues. Um, but I really am not going too much farther lower than that i mean i am tempted to put this at like 27 like maybe below life death Ooh, i was thinking right above life death lose oh okay how do you feel about it compared to life death let me just click on life death so i remember (laughs) which one that is it's the one where storm uh, hangs out and forged his apartment barry windsor smith oh i'd say this is better than i'd say this is better than life death all right all right that makes this our new number 26 uh, Excellent. Uncanny X-Men 174 and 175. All right. Uh, what are we talking about next? Because Madeline Pryor just kind of like never appears again, right? After Inferno. Oh, if only. <laughs> like she actually got a beautiful send off in Inferno. But... Yeah, she turned all of New York into a demonic hellscape and then died. Oh. No, she had this beautiful moment with Jean where they finally started to see past each other's thing. Uh, past their numerous numerous differences and she sort of let herself die because she didn't want to because she didn't <laughs> my son just brought me ice cream thank you elliot say bye bye elliot bye elliot so now i have ice cream son i mean zach your son is so cute i know he's adorable <laughs> he's so three. Oh my god all right who was talking? So she gets this beautiful send off in Inferno where she basically like says like, not even in like a depressed way. She just knows that her story's over almost, you know, and she has the sense that like, if she comes back, she might only do more harm. And she's like willingly choosing to let herself, to let herself rest and let her story end. Yes, and then unfortunately her consciousness is melded with Jean Grey, so that Jean Grey is simultaneously Scott's wife and ex-wife. Yeah, but, yeah. Oh, that, so weird. that was an interesting decision. More yeah. unfortunately for her, and and unfortunately for us, Adam, uh, do, do you know what happens next? Man, I would love to say that Madeline <laughs> <Drexler>. <laughs> It's time for an X-Man update! It's an X-Man update. We haven't had one of those in a couple weeks. What's the X-Man update? It's that back in 1995, Madeline Pryor's consciousness got recreated by Nate Grace subconsciously because he was thinking about his mom. <sighs> they make out later. It's weird. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. And it's not like you can't tell. It's not like you don't have any sense of that from these issues. Uh, yeah, uh... Well. This is we're going to talk about X Men five through seven, the man who fell to Earth. Uh, this is written. We sure did. This is written by uh, TV producer extraordinaire Jeff Loeb. Uh, mm-hmm. You may know him from such classics as Cloak and Dagger, or Commando, or uh, Ultimatum. Uh, he wrote that one, which was bad. He also wrote uh, Hush and The Long Halloween. Again, Jeff Loeb. Wild, wild fella. <laughs> crazy, crazy bibliography on that one. Uh, Steve Soroki, or Soroki does the art on this, uh, which is interesting. Adam, do you want to... Yeah. 
you're you're the resident not X-Man expert. Do you want to explain this one or do you want me to? All right. So um, I, I would like to first thank you for not sending me the cursed giant book <laughs> of the entire run of X-Man. Uh, I, I really do appreciate that. Well, look, um, the last time <laughs> the last time someone got that book, they opened it and then there was a literal age of X-Man. <laughs> So it really isn't cursed. It's it's more blessed, but I really just didn't want to get it in the mail. Um, so X-Men has, uh, quote unquote, fallen to Earth. He has come from his parallel uh, Age of Apocalypse dimension. Sugar Man is hunting him without, uh, you know, X-Men being aware of what's going on. Uh, Sugar Man is sending uh, this very bland assassin type character named Rex after him. Um, and pointing at his bad drawings of X-Man to show him who he's, who he's supposed to be after. Sugar Man does um, crayon drawings like a child and he's beloved and I, I yeah, want to cherish him. Yeah. So X-Man really doesn't really, he doesn't know what's going on. He's very confused as to why everything is not a post-apocalyptic hellscape. And uh, a woman who appears to be Madeline Pryor um, is along for the journey and nothing really happens the two yeah. of them kind of just chill and talk and get away from this Rex character, and that's about it. But that it. makes it sound good, like chilling and talking are things I like. These issues I do not like. Oh, Celine is here, too? Um, ah, yeah. Yeah. So She seduces uh, Madeline to not hang out with her, uh, I guess, child from another mother? Oh, there's also, um, they end up in in Paris and there's a panel with a elderly little person in clown makeup mooning kids. And I didn't need to see that. <laughs> there's also like that one panel where like Nate's like, we have to pay for dinner, which like, how do you even know that you have to pay for dinner? Nate? Like, where did you learn this? That's a great question. Just, since, just considering where he was like raised anyway. And Maddie just in this beautiful, by which I mean awful, just straight, close up of her torso she pulls money out of her bra and puts it on the table and it's really really gross hold on wait like, wait wait she got reincarnated out of thin air how does she have money does it matter that's actually what she says it's a great question she just explains it away but you're asking great questions like why is nate not even more flustered than he is by his surroundings he has no idea where he is, what he's doing, and yet things do still seem somewhat familiar to him, despite the fact that there's, like, an existing society here in the 616. You could probably, like, hand wave it with telepathy. Uh, sure, sure. Uh, X-Man is, is sporting his uh, amazing scrunchy-on-the-knee costume here. Uh, I so still good. never understand that design element, nor why it's there or it's how the it It's the 90s. Shut up and enjoy it. There's also the fact that he, like, takes off his shirt off-panel when he first meets Maddie. Like, he has his shirt on one panel, then a few hours later he doesn't have it I'm going to be like, very honest. Nate, Nate, no. I'm going to be very honest. Nate Gray is the type of character that can go shirt or no shirt, I wouldn't even notice. Like, I'm just used to being like, oh, he decided not to wear a shirt right now. That sounds like him. Well, I was just noticing this because he was with Maddie, and I just wrote in all caps on my notes... I don't like this. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so here's the thing. Cause I've, I've, I have read all of the X-Men series. 
I was going to ask, like, is this what the whole thing is like? Does no. it get better? Okay. Is okay. it worse? There, there's, there's several parts. Uh, part one of your question. No, it does not get better. Okay. <laughs> it pretty okay. much stays at this level uh, for, like, the next 15 to 20 issues. There's a wild amount of 90s X-Men nonsense getting thrown out. Which is enjoyable for some value of enjoyable. It's enjoyable if you're me and you'd like absolute nonsense continuity that will never be followed up. It doesn't really make sense to begin with. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Like, if, if, when, if when the Sugar Man showed up, you said, oh yeah, give, give this to me. I want to know more about the Sugar Man. Uh, <laughs> then you're going to be interested Oh, now I'm rethinking whether I want the uh, the grand tome. Uh, look, man, I'm <laughs> gonna tell you, it's not. It's still not very good. No, I know it's not. Uh, at the end, there's some interesting Warren Ellis stuff that's again more interesting than good. He does cross over with the Authority. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Anyway, uh, oh, but these are bad. but to my other these... point, my other point. Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. This is where it started with. There is less incest content in x-man than you might think but still significantly more than i'm comfortable with you know um you know how they had that meme on twitter about like find the x-men comic from the month and year you were born here we go i'm scared (laughs) um so i was born in may 1998 taurus year of the tiger and I found a ton of X-Men manga and also the issue where Maddie gives this big speech about how Nate called to her and she came. Boy. <laughs> that issue is, that's a crossover with Cable. That one's bad. <laughs> that one's this real bad. bad. The X-Men manga that came out of that time is not good, but it's, it's a manga adaptation of the animated series, which is kind of... Like it's that's at least fun. It's X Men yeah. filtered through like three different sieves, so you get something else. It's at least hmm. it's interesting. This story is not. It's bad and it kind of uh, tapers off at the end and does nothing. And that could describe all seventy five issues of X Man. Yeah, yeah. And I just wrote, okay, what was the point of that near the end of my notes? That's a great question. Nothing really happens in these three issues. Uh, we have villains. Like, I feel like they could have been trying with something to like have Nate like have this sort of, let's say, supportive figure in his life, and then have that ripped away for no good reason. Mm-hmm. But I doubt they actually felt. Fo- I doubt they actually follow up in that in any meaningful way. Mm-hmm. I mean, kind of. Maddie comes back later. She kills Nate's girlfriend slash baby mama. Right, right. Again, then Threnody no. gets better too. So, who cares? <laughs> Death is meaningless. All uh, all mutants can be resurrected. So, it's fine. Deep it's breath. Fine. No spoilers. <laughs> yeah, don't you do? Oh yeah. Um, I also just wanted to point out that my very last note here is that basically all of maddie's like serious love interests have either been scott or simulacrums of scott aka in other words male relatives who probably bear at least a little physical resemblance which you know that's super creepy but also maddie was a simulacrum of gene 
That's interesting and weird. Mm. Very, yeah. very sinister. <laughs> Don't you dare. <laughs> All right, this is going low, right, guys? Because uh, this is bad. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Here's something on the list that I know this is worse than. Okay. And that is uh, that time that Cable went to uh, Genosha and had that big fight, which is at uh, two twenty-five, the long way. This is worse than that. Oh, that's way too high. What are you doing? This thing is like. <laughs> I'm thinking about yeah, stories with Sugar Man in it. <laughs> uh, okay, okay. Uh, better or worse than Poptopia? Mm, worse. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's better, better than Captain Marvel 2 and 3. Because that story was also nonsense. It, uh, you're okay, but by saying that, you're saying that this is better than the survival guide to the mansion and Morlocks take Manhattan. Threat. Mm, Ooh, see, I feel about it almost the exact same way I feel about Wolverine ninety-eight to hundred, Furnace of His Mind, Anvil of His Heart. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you're right on that one there. I'm telling you, man, it's it's gonna go lower than that. Uh, is it better or worse than the first six issues? Six issues of X Factor. Um, I feel like it's worse. I feel like it's worse. <laughs> yes, I feel like it's worse. Uh, it's worse. Is it worse than, than Magneto Rex? I don't know. Like once we get into the two sixties, it's starting to become like offensively bad, and this is just <laughs> blandly bad, right? Mm-hmm. What? Mostly, yeah. Uh, so I would say better than Shadow Games, worse than X Factor uh, one through six. All right, I like it. So it's going to two sixty two. This is our new two sixty two X Man five through seven. The man who fell to Earth. Sure, he did. You know, once I wrote an entire article about X Man and had not read a single bit of his solo series outside of those first four <laughs> issues. Is there anything you'd actually like to revise? No. I would like to talk about the time he became like a kind of like a celebrity mutant healer man in uh, Central Park. Uh, That I want to talk about. There was once a point where we were going to be able to talk about stories about bands, maybe. And I wanted to talk about the time that Nate Gray was in a band. Um, Mm, Big Pixies fan. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I forgot about his baby Pixies tea. Oh, it's so good. (laughs) You know about this, right, Luz? <laughs> no, it's a baby tee and it's a pixie shirt. Uh, hold on, AIPT. Yes, apparently, Nate Gray is a uh, a pixies fan, which uh, I don't know. That does not track for me, but okay. <laughs> Nate, Nate, I I said it before, and I will say it again. And I I am literally quoted in this article that I'm pulling up saying this, so I know it's true. Uh, Nate Gray only knows one pixies song. And it's Where Is My Mind, and it's because it was on the soundtrack for Fight Club. That track? Yeah, he hates Doolittle. 90s. <laughs> He's really into the reunion albums. Oh, don't uh, even do that. Don't even do that. Uh, hey. Wait, this is a question. What do you like better, Adam? Doolittle or Surfer Rosa? I'm a, I'm a Surfer Rosa person, but I'm also not really a big Pixies fan. Oh, really? So, See, I like, I like, no. I like Doolittle better. 
if if I'm going to go with a, a cast member from the Pixies, I will take the Breeders. And if I'm going to go with the Breeders sound, I'd much rather go with Veruca Salt. So I'm done. <laughs> and don't give me any of these new Pixies albums. They're terrible. I don't think anyone was. But yeah, he's wearing a Pixies baby tee and some acid wash jeans. It's very yeah. good. And an uh, MC5 you... belt buckle. Yeah, that's the one that I just... That one doesn't... Oh, my God. Lose all Sorry. of these were banned. Messiah Complex? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. The store's also called Messiah Complex. It's a different one. Wow. It's so many layers one. here. <laughs> so many layers. Yeah. I will say uh, the one thing that might be as offensive as the picture we're looking at of Nate Gray wearing his pixie baby tee, his MC5 belt buckle, and a the story being titled Messiah Complex, which we are not rating right now might be all of the smiling that we are about to encounter in our final story of the day. Oh, yes. Uh, we're going to talk about Uncanny X-Men 508 to 511, Sisterhood. This is written by Action Matt Fraction uh, with art by Greg Land. Um, I got to tell you guys something. Yeah. Uncan- what is it, Uncanny Zach? X-Men 509 uh, mm-hmm. came out while I was working at the Quiznos subs in the mall. Mm, uh, tasty. Huh. And I did go to free comic book day at the comic shop that was in the mall and that I, you know, went to until very recently uh, and picked up 509 off of the shelf and just had it for a while. It was the only okay. part of this I had any context for. And I still feel uh, I think 509 has the best moments in this arc. Uh, this is a bad arc where Madeline Pryor goes and tries to resurrect uh, her old body, but she doesn't know how to do that. Uh, so instead, uh, she resurrects Psylocke into Psylocke's body because Psylocke, or Quan into Psylocke's body because uh, Psylocke was lost in space time for a hot second. Uh, and then they fight, and it's bad. And there's a lot of smiles and some very weird horny content. Oh, yeah. I mean, Weird Horny Content isn't exactly off-brand for Madeline, but she actually doesn't do nearly as much of it as I thought she would. No, no. She, Madeline, for this sisterhood that she's made, which this sisterhood's weird because it's Madeline, Crimea, or, yeah. That's Chimera. Chimera, Chimera. excuse me. Crimea is an annexed section of the Ukraine. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. My bad. Let's not talk about that. Yeah, that's geopolitics. That's a different podcast. Uh, and then it is Spiral. Spiral, my love. And Lady Deathstrike, who is described as Spiral's slave, which is like eight different ways of not right. Yep, yep. And then Quanin, but Quanin as Psylocke's mind-controlled old body? Are you forgetting the two Mastermind sisters? Oh yeah, right. both Mastermind <laughs> sisters are in this one. That that part's kind of funny that they absolutely hate each other. I do like some of the pixie stuff that's in this. Uh, mm. And I like the way that the X-Men are introduced as living and being like integrated into the city of San Francisco. Sure. But the rest of yeah. this comics, uh, it's got some flaws. Well, I, I, we, I feel like we've been visiting this Greg Land era uh, a little more often lately on the show. Yes, and it's I'm come just, up a couple of times. I am reaching, like, 
I, I think if we go back to past episodes, I've been pretty gracious with my Greg Land criticism, but this one is really tough. It is pushing my buttons in ways that I am not like everyone is smiling. Everyone is making a, a facial expression in ways that don't line up with the scenes that they are in. Like just the basic acting of the characters does not make sense. And I, I don't know. I, and that's not to let fraction off the hook either. I don't like this characterization of, of Madeline Pryor. Um, oh, I, hate it. I don't like the way that this sisterhood of these villains is designed. I don't like their arc, what they're supposed to be after, what they're doing. It's all just a mess. I don't know why they're a team. Like, No, I don't either. Why I Why mean, are they, that group, why are they together? Because they're all women. That's it. But, like, okay. <laughs> if. If you're going to do a team of female X-Men villains. Mm-hmm. You could, like... The X-Men have a deep bench. You could get a good uh, good number of them together and, like, give them a purpose. Well, These are all the... just here together because they're all ladies? Like, that's that's silly. It's also the problem with this is that, like, this isn't a bad team. It's not even necessarily a bad, like, pitch for an arc, necessarily. But it's just not executed well. Like, you're bringing up an excellent point, which is... We have no idea why this team is a team, what their motivations are at all. Like, it's it's just, okay, we're going to help Madeline Pryor. Why? Is she mind controlling them? Doesn't seem like well, it. Well, I think the implication is that she's offered everybody to bring somebody back to life. That they love, right? Like, like somebody. That they love. Yes. But. And I and I, I know who Spiral loves. I know who the. Who does, Mastermind does, sisters who does love? Spiral love? Who does Spiral love that's dead? Oh, you don't want to get into this. You don't want to I get into this. I kind of do, because... This is deep headcanon territory. If Charlie were here, they'd back me up. <laughs> Let's dive. Let's... I want to I want to go off of that, you know, 12-foot high dive right into this headcanon. Okay, okay. So, if you remember the Shirestar saga, when Shirestar loses his, loses his body because he's dead. Yes. Yes? Yes? <laughs> Spiral helps them and she brings in this person who looks exactly like Shatterstar named Benjamin Russell and she starts crying when asked about it too much. I did not think we were going to get into Shatterstar saga territory today, but I'm okay with it. Like, come on, come on, it's not that hard. Oh man. I yes, wait, okay. hold on, no, because so, because what you what you're positing here, saying that it's yes. not that hard. Implies that someone read and understood the Shatterstar saga. <laughs> and let me tell you from okay. experience, not easy. Okay, okay. It's medium difficulty, but if you, like, read it and care about Spiral, which I do, you've noticed it. Yeah, I can see that making sense. I mean, uh, Ricochet Rita to Spiral to falling in love with the grandfather slash son of Longshot? okay <laughs> why not clone son i never understood the daddy boros well i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't say she was falling in love with him okay we don't know the relationship That's at all just that true. she was close with him well that hey in my mind she's that body's mother but i'm not gonna go into yeah it. also Ooh. all of this is made up <laughs> Ooh. yeah and yeah none of this is canon and, to, and i only say that not to not to denigrate anyone's head canon but 
to make a point to say that if that was what Matt Action Fraction, a guy who has written my favorite run of comics ever, was going to try and do in this story of Uncanny X-Men, he failed so miserably. Yeah, he didn't even jump over the first bar of, like, implying too much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will also say that Emma is very out of character in several scenes in this that just she has some lines about her students that are just don't line up. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. She, she uh, messes with lady mastermind about her costume. The same one that she will eventually be wearing. Okay. Yes. But that's Um, more Chris Bachelor's fault than anyone else. I I know, but it, it just, I don't know the, I think another issue that I have with these uh, with this story is that I went back and I read some of the stuff that leads up to it, and it creeped me out so much. There's a scene in 503 that is just, like, still disturbing me, and I, I don't know. Like, I just don't want anything to do with whatever these guys are doing with this arc. I just don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's also the part that I personally love but also kind of hate where Beast checks when Emben... Wah. There's also the part which I kind of love and hate where Beast checks WebMD for a diagnosis. <laughs> like, Look. he's like, oh yeah, I checked WebMD, nothing about whatever you're facing. And that just made me go on like this entire thought spiral about WebM- about what WebMD must look like in the 616. Oh, it's <laughs> a mess. <laughs> Uh, you must be a mutant with cancer. You're going to die. <laughs> you actually have a cold. Um, yes. Yeah. WebMD's also bad, guys. Uh, don't use yeah, it. Yeah. Don't don't use it. Don't. Try and see a doctor if you can. Yeah. Yeah. If you can. If not, make friends uh, with doctors. Mm. I, I don't know what to tell you. Otherwise, I'm I'm not a professional uh, insurer. Uh, I don't think that's how health also, insurance. Also, it just works. doesn't understand so many things on a fundamental level like it describes domino very casually as a little ocd yeah hated all of that domino's in this but she's pretty far out of character uh and i don't like it uh she she digs up a grave and okay 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 they imply that domino switched jean gray's coffin with a different coffin and put a body in there what body Where'd is they that? Get that body? Where did they Where'd get they that get body? <laughs> How did that body stop battling prior? I don't know, but it did. Uh, some I just feel bad idea. for that poor body's parents where they're like, hey, hey. uh No, I actually had this like whole comedy skit in my head called The X-Men Go to the Mortician. Uh. Yeah, and the last thing I'd have about this, because this is a bad arc. The 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 big part about this arc is like, hey, Psylocke's back and she's on the team now. She wasn't dead. She was exiled for a little bit. But now she's back. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they do that with Psylocke fighting her old British body. Yep. And utterly destroying yep. it in a very casual way. Like, nope, I'm. this is me now. And we know from continuity's sake, like, we know nowadays... That Psylocke is back in her, like, original body, and that's been a pretty rough thing for her. Like, she's had a lot yeah. to sort out with that, with her body image, and then with Quanin and Quanin's agency, to the point where 
Quanin essentially has an entire book that's coming out soon about, hey, this was friggin' weird, right? Huh. You know, I also want to point out Northstar enters the team at this point. That's true. And when Logan asks him, he's like, this isn't a gay thing, is it? And it's just the worst. <laughs> it's it's very much like 2008, 2009, how these things were approached and dealt with. And I, I know that Fraction is like, he's on level. He's a good dude. Is he? Yeah, 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 from, like, everything else. Okay, okay, I trust Yeah, Fraction, Fraction's pretty solid, all things considered. Uh, this was not handled well. I think it was me- well-meaning, but, like, poorly executed as we have moved on in our lives. And, like, the way also, culture approaches things. Also, I just love things. how little we're talking about Maddie proper, because she's just such of a non-personality in this. Yeah, man, like, I had a moment, and I DM'd you, and I said... Hey, uh, do we want to talk about all these stories or do we want to swap one out? And I was really hoping that we would have swapped one out and then talked about, like, Secret Wars Inferno Baddie. <laughs> Who's better? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll get to that one one day. That's one of my favorites. We've but that got is, to. That is not this. And I agree. Like, the actual characterization of Madeline Pryor seems wildly weird uh it it does not seem to make much sense or line up with any form of the character that we've seen before i just don't like it so uh where's this going on the list i uh don't think we enjoyed this one very much huh i think this is bad i think this has some legitimately offensive content in it uh Uh yep it's like this is upsetting to me uh i had i had i wrote the least amount of notes and the very last one was, wait, why does Maddie need slash want a body if she can do everything while incorporeal? Yeah. That is uh, an excellent point. Why would you not <laughs> want to be a ghost? I mean, I want to be a ghost right now. What the hell? If you can do ghost. all of if you can do all of the human things, but also walk through walls and like not have to eat. Guys, do you know how many times I eat because physically my body won't function if I don't do it? <laughs> I'm gonna assume many. Yeah, many. I like eating in general, but there's times when I'm just like, "This is sustenance, and that's all it is." Uh, and sleeping? Can you imagine not having to sleep? Yeah, you could work on your demon skills or whatever. This could be so good for you, Maddie. And you're you're throwing this away for a bad plot. Anyway, oh, also, oh, yes. Speaking of things getting worse with context, like future context. Uh, Dazzler tells Scott, if the two of you, meaning him and Emma, can't make it work, then there's no hope for any of us. And just, who boy. who boy. <laughs> Dazzler not always known for the best takes. Uh, uh and not known for her best, uh, yeah, anything. Mm, I love boy. Dazzler, but this one's, Dazzler gets a teen drunk, uh, which is kind of, yeah. kind of, like. Makes for a good scene. Scott it does, on the couch. It does make for a good scene. But I do like Scott being the dad and being like, she's not 21. And they're like, she's legal where we're from and where she's from. Don't worry about it, Scott, you prude. Uh, All right. So despite the highlights, how low are we going here? Because I am uh, not getting a lot here. I'm going to throw. How low can we go? Oh, no, this doesn't go that low, but it does go low. Okay. Um, Okay. Here's what I'm going to throw out to you, Adam. Go for it. Is it better than worse? Or worse than, what if Wolverine was Lord of the Vampires during Inferno? I don't, I don't think, all right. As a, 
let me say this because I was ragging on, uh, on on Greg Land before, and I am actively like just bothered by this art in this artwork in this in this arc, which I don't feel like Greg Land has really like hit that hit that button uh, until right now, where I'm just like ah, like it's just driving me nuts. Um, however, that particular issue of What If looks so bad, like <laughs> it, it is really really rough like it is the ultimate expression of rushed uh copycat image art and it's it's bad so i don't i don't think it's quite that bad i don't think it's quite as bad as uh x-men 100th anniversary special which is below it um but we're in the right territory i feel like we are in x-factor prisoner of love territory i think eve of destruction is better than this at 269 <laughs> That had that one issue with Wolverine and Cyclops in the uh, sewers. Yeah, with, so, with the uh, Lineal Francis U art, you know, yeah. ex- upcoming X-Men artist Lineal Francis U. Oh, uh, Yeah, I mean, as long as everybody's comfortable with it, I think being our new 270 is a perfect place for this. Right above X-Factor Special Prisoner of Love. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh... I'm fine with that. This is 270, guys. It's a bad one. Don't don't read it. Read better comics. Uh, Only read it if you're a Maddie completionist like me. Even then, yeah. <laughs> read and the summary. How many how many Maddie completionists are there? I'm kind of curious. There's me. Well, okay, we got one. <laughs> we got one. That's important. Uh, I, that's three stories though, and that's all of the stories that we do on a story to story basis. Uh. First off, I'd like to thank Luz. Luz Bianca, thank you so much for being on the show. It was a ton of fun. Yeah, same here. And guys, if you want more uh me and Luz specifically talking, Adam's not invited. He's not he's not our friend uh for this particular one because if I'm being honest, I don't hate him enough to do this to him. <laughs> and I appreciate that. Thank you. But you hate me enough. Yes. <laughs> yes, because if the Patreon that if you search Battle of the Atom on Patreon, you will find or just there's a link in this podcast. Uh, go do it. Uh, if we can get up to the $300 a month level, which is just $15 away, uh, we can uh, we're going to do a podcast where Luz and I cover the show, the X-Men anime. Now, Luz, how many animes have you watched? Too many. Adam, how many animes have I watched? Like two. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. There we go. This is one of them. Uh, so we want to talk about that so bad. And like, yeah. here's 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 the honest truth, guys. We may in fact record this podcast, and I will hold it hostage, <laughs> or whatever we need. But I'm I'm very excited to get this project underway. Uh, but we need we need your help to get there because I set a goal and for some reason I am arbitrarily deciding that, you know, we're going to milk this one for all it's worth. Uh, so do that because uh, especially like if you if you go at the $5 a month level, guess what, guys? You'll get an entire episode crafted around your suggestion once a year. Uh, you'll get early access to what we're reading every week so you can read along and suffer with us. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of perks and a lot of benefits uh, for joining the Patreon. It also supports this really cool podcast that I assume you like. If you're listening to this, you could be anyone uh, 
uh, anyone from anywhere. We have a wild uh, number of people in our, uh, what is it, audience pool from a, a very wild, varied uh, group. Did you know we have a actual uh, WWE uh, ref who, li- who uh, <laughs> listens to I, us? I learned that today. He's a big I, fan. I did too. He does SmackDown, I guess. Good for him. Freaking awesome. I don't want to put him on blast. I really hope there's not just like one ref in the WWE. I do not. <laughs> I'm, I do not wrestle. I do not watch wrestling. I think Chris Jericho is a guy. You do not partake. I, I, I don't. I, I'm, I'm a wrestling vegan. I don't partake of the Raw <laughs> or the SmackDown or the AWE or the Lucha Underground. I don't They're know strictly... what the ja- what's the Japan one. I don't know. I don't know. Sumo? No, no. There's like one that like uh, Shinsuke Nakamura came from. Again, oh, okay. I'm so you're strictly very... a uh, a singlet uh, Olympic wrestler. No, I'm a other people that I know and like I'm friends with talk about wrestling sometimes, and I nod my head and say, "That looks yep, cool." Yep, the Montreal <laughs> Screwdrop. Yep, yep. I know what you guys are talking about. Uh, anyway, uh, here's here's what I do know about wrestling. Here's the one thing: uh, there is a wrestler. Who uh, did dress up as Mr. Sinister for a little bit. Oh, I love it. It's so good. Uh, his I hate Mr. Sinister. Oh, I love Mr. Sinister. What? He's so Don't good. You... No, I mean, I love him, but I hate him on Maddie's behalf. Well, oh, yes, see. but he he did give Maddie... He offends Milady's honor. <laughs> he did. He did give Maddie the best gift that anyone could give anyone. And that's a cape. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah. I was about to say life. Are you sure? No, no, it's the cape. It's the cape. He gave, he okay, gave yeah, Maddie a cape. cape. Uh, anyway, if you liked this podcast, you can go over to xavierfiles.com. That's where you have all the latest and greatest in X-Men news uh, articles. We are actually, uh, when Hawksbox rolls around and finishes up, we are going to be kicking off a series on the site covering all of the uh, Dawn of X books. And really, they are not going to be the deep dive annotations that we got from Hawksbox because, frankly, no one's got time for that. That's just so much work. It's so much. And I can't make people do that. Chris and Rob are uh, sweet, beautiful angels uh, as they do that. But we can't keep that going forever. Uh, they're going to be more like discussions about the issue, not really reviews, but just like like in an imaginary perfect comic shop that isn't terrible and smelly and sexist that you could have with people. Uh, <laughs> I used to have one of those. Uh, it went out of business. I Marvel canceled all the X books and I just went digital and I didn't tell them. I said, it looks like nothing's on my pull list anymore. I'm just going to not show up. Uh, so that's, that's what I did. But yeah. I'm really excited about those articles. They're going to be uh, super fun. Uh, Adam, you're actually going to be writing one, aren't you? I am, yes. I've been put in charge of uh, Fallen Angels. Uh, so our article is going to be called Missing Lobster, um, which uh, Brian Edward Hill actually responded to uh, some inquiries about Bill the Lobster today on his Twitter, saying, yes, where is the lobster in a very knowing uh, voice? So um, I am going to be crossed. sure to follow up on that when I interview him at New York Comic Con. There is no way Brian Edward Hill was expected for the amount of people asking about a dang lobster in his dark, <laughs> gritty book. I don't know. He's, anyway. No, he, he he said specifically, yeah, I hadn't read the original Fallen Angels when they offered me the gig. I liked the title. It sounded neat, and they wanted to use it. 
Oh, we'll get into that. Oh, uh, we will eventually. Yeah. Uh, oh, and then also twitter.com. I'm at Xavier Files. Adam, where can people find you? Guys, you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. Um, we are coming down the home stretch of Bish and Jubes, the cross time conundrum over at adamreck.tumblr.com. And if you'd like art in your inbox, go over to patreon.com slash adamreck. Luz, where can people find you? Twitter, mostly at LuzBianca417. I'm also on Patreon at LuzBianca if you really feel like throwing money my way because I'm not putting much on there. <laughs> um, but yeah, mostly Twitter. All right. All right. Next week, we are going to be talking about an interesting topic, and that is writers coming back home to something that they did a while ago. Oh, no. No, it's <laughs> going to be fun. It's going to be I'm. Okay. It's I'm a little oh yes, forward. it's a little oh no. It's going to be fun. There's there's a little bit of good, a little bit of bad, a little bit of weird. Uh, <laughs> but until then, this has been Battle of the Atom. We hope you survived the experience. Get it!